and gentlemen, and welcome to the February 23rd, 2016 edition of Season 3 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. Court Report comes to you every Sunday and Tuesday night. During the playoffs, we will have our all-new reports on Tuesday night with the Encore on Sunday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week, we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know about it. Especially during playoff time, we want to hear all about your games. Friend me on Facebook. You can send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade. And at this time of the year, it is so busy. You better get your orders in now if you need it. If you have anything, anything that's needed for plaques or trophies, please give them a call at 718-769-4111. Uh, guarantee you'll be extremely happy with everything, all the handiwork and craftsmanship. And if you've won a, a Yeshiva League championship in the last 10 years, believe me, you know that it is good. So please give them a call. Again, 718-769-4111. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our episodes, plus you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice, though, much like this show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches. Please be courteous enough to do the same. Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to The Court Report. So the month of February is reaching its end. It is, again, February 23rd. Within one week, we will be hitting March Madness, which will be the conclusion of the Yeshiva League playoff run. Again, the championships for both uh, for both leagues happening in the middle weeks of the month of March. Can't wait to get to that. Um, but right now, we're sitting in the middle of quarterfinal action. And uh, this past week was a flurry of games, Um, I think over 20 games, which we'll get to today on the court report. Uh, for those of you that, like I said this morning on Nachum's uh, show on Jamie the AM, uh, if, for those of you that were expecting this season or this postseason to to be chalk, you're you're in for a bit of a, a bit of a rude awakening because every single league, with the exception of Girls B, uh, which we'll get to in a minute, but every single league has had some sort of upset and some really, really interesting upset. Um, like I mentioned this morning, not a great week for JEC Sports. Uh, Rambam, uh, also my hockey team, not exactly uh, the desired result this past week. Um, but in every league, from top to bottom, as we'll cover, a ton of upsets. Um, as I said, we'll also touch on Girls Varsity B, who finished up their their uh, season this past week? So you'll get the conclusion of that, and we'll give you the previews for their uh, for their playoffs. Uh, so now every single uh, every single league, every single division is in the uh, is in the playoff uh, is in the playoff uh, run, and are now looking to head their way towards their respective championships. 
another thing that uh, just very interesting, I want to share with you something that I found very interesting this past week. Uh, a lot of teams have finally started getting their broadcasts going. Uh, there were a lot of games that were broadcast this week, a, a phenomenal amount. I was able to watch quite a few, even while being at other games. Uh, um, and taking a look at it, I'm really happy that this has finally become a movement. That a couple of years ago, when MSG Varsity was around and everybody was uh, taking advantage of the the resources that they were giving, and you'd have games shown on on computer, on TV, or at least being recorded for posterity. Now you have. A much bigger showing. Obviously, last year, uh, the last couple of years, TABC and SAR. This year, Hank getting a broadcast up. Frisch actually starting this past week. Um, so, really, really interesting to see this happening, and really happy to see that that schools are finally starting to give uh, give the kids a platform to express themselves, and a platform to allow the kids to be seen and allow kids as broadcasters to, to have a, a place in the game as well. I know for myself uh, that at the very least, now that I'm too old to play, obviously, high school sports, getting the chance to broadcast, whether it be high school sports, college sports, or even, you know, even pro-level sports, it, it's a very exciting event and allows the kids uh, the chance to really structure themselves and, and really put in the time and uh, actually know what it feels like to, to be the voice of a game and to know what it what uh, what power they have with the mic in their hands. So Yasha Koch to all the schools. There also is a practice that I'm not really fond of that I noticed last year of schools taking down games almost immediately after they're done because of the a little bit of gamesmanship, I guess. I, I guess it's 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 all you know it's under their control, so they pretty much get to do with it with it what they want. But I, I think the fact that that schools uh, want to remove their games so as not to allow for scouting purposes for for the next uh, for the next game. It sort of it sort of defeats the purpose because if you're putting it out there, you want the game to be seen. It sort of makes very little sense to have a game out there and then pull it back and say, you know, we'll put it on after, and you get to enjoy watching it after. The kids did a great job, first of all, playing, and also producing or broadcasting this game. Give them the credit they deserve and allow the game to be there, and let's take the gamesmanship out of, uh, out of high school sports. Okay, so I'll get off my soapbox now, and let's get to what really matters in the Yeshiva League. Let's get to what happened this past week in playoff action in Yeshiva League sports. Going to start out this week by looking at JV Hockey, just to remind you how JV Hockey works. Again, the top eight teams in the league, the three division winners, and the next five wildcard teams, seated one through eight. The top four teams get the home games, bottom four teams on the road. Start off with the first game that happened last week, that being the number four versus number five game, the Hefter at JEC game in JEC. Second year in a row that these two teams met up in uh, in JV playoff competition last year. The Hawks jumping out to an early lead, taking a 4-1 victory en route to the uh, to the next round. This game, uh, the Hawks, the uh, Hawks looking to make a similar showing. The Thunder, though, looking to show that their set the second place finish in their division, the almost division championship, should hold up. The uh, first period did not start out though as the Thunder would like, as the Hawks 
pounded the uh, the Thunder net for three goals in the first period, uh, off of goals by Jacob Kramer, Ben Schreiber, and Zachary Pearl, to give the Hawks a 3-0 lead at the end of the first. JEC would attempt to get, the, to get it past Ben Horowitz, could not do so the rest of the day, and Hafter would walk away again in uh, in JEC with a three nothing win this time, sending them on to the second round. Who they would face? Uh, well, that would uh, be set to be determined by the rest of the games over the week. Number one DRS, number eight SAR would meet up the next night. A rematch of playoff games from the last two years, including the last year's semifinal, which was won for nothing by SAR on their road to the JV Championship. This year, DRS, the top seed in the league and a heavy, you know, heavy favorite in this one. The Eastern Conference champions undefeated over the year, seeding only six goals in ten games, meaning that it generally has only taken the Wildcats one or two goals to seal the deal with Jakey Friedman in net. Two minutes into the game, DRS leading scorer would put his mark on the game as freshman Josef Adler put DRS up 1-0 on a solo effort in front of the SAR net. Halfway through the first, though, the visitors drew a power play on a high stick call on Aiden Anglander. Off the faceoff, the ball went back to Lewis Tuckman, who took a shot that deflected off of Oren Goldberg and passed Jakey Friedman into the DRS net, only to be waved off for an offsides call, and the game would remain one nothing. That would be the closest that SAR would come for most of the rest of the night, though. Four minutes into the second period, DRS would add to their lead. Jake Weinstock, carrying the ball behind the SAR net, fed the ball to Alex Fuchs at the point, who put it home for the 2 to nothing lead. Daniel Sofer would uh, find Jeremy Klein for his 12th of the year for an insurance marker early in the third. SAR would make a last-ditch effort pulling the goalie with two minutes to go. A dump-in on DRS net would be shoved to the corner by Friedman, where a hustling Romy Harkstark would win the battle and feed it across to Henry Kolb, who put it home, breaking the shutout and continuing Kolb's scoring streak. However, coming to an end would be SAR's reign as defending champions, as the Sting would not be able to muster any more scoring than that, as the Wildcats posted their 10th game of one goal or less allowed on the season with the 3-1 final. So now we knew we had two winners. We would have the number one DRS and the number five Hafter Hawks. Still, though, we would not know who would face who. For that, we would have to figure out who the next division uh, division champion game would be. We had two division champion games remaining as the Western Division champion Frisch took on uh, sorry, intra-conference rival number 7 TABC. First period, Frisch hit with a double minor early to key sophomore offenseman Joe Tropp, but were successful on the kill for the three minutes that they needed, giving the Cougars much-needed momentum. With Tropp back, Frisch put the pressure on the storm, and with 3.30 left in the first, Frisch finally broke through with Benji Feintuck beating Refi Minsky on a half-court shot to give the home team a 1-0 lead. But the storm would fire right back. A minute later, a frisch clear kept in by Jonathan Srego. Ball went straight to Ephraim Tiger, who turned and put it on net and in, evening the game at 1, heading into the second period. Already in that one shot, the storm had had exceeded the number of goals that they scored in the regular season in Frisch, uh, where they lost 4 nothing. So, very good effort for the visitors coming out of the first. There would be a ton of action for the next 23 minutes of play, but no goals. 
taking to the last minute of the third period. Frisch with a flurry of shots on Minsky, but no luck. Clock winding down, 20 seconds to go. Sophomore Maury Bauer, a transfer from Hank over the year, picked up the ball at midcourt line, moves around one Storm defender, moved in on TABC net, and put it right over Minsky to grab back the lead for the Cougars. With the TABC goalie pulled, the Storm put immense pressure for the last 18 seconds, but could not break through, sending the Cougars on to the semifinals for the second straight year. So at this point, we know we have three winners. We know we have number one DRS, number two Frisch, number five T- uh, number five Hafter. So depending on this next game, there could be uh, this next game would technically decide who would be facing who. We would already know that number one DRS and number two Frisch would be hosting the 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 quarterfinal the semifinal games. But the question is, who would they be facing? Still not known until Flatbush and Hank did battle this past. Uh, this past Thursday night in Flatbush. Hurricanes traveled to Brooklyn for the other match involving a central team to play the third-seeded Flatbush Falcons. The way this game panned out was essentially two different halves of hockey. In the first half, a staunch goalie battle between Flatbush's Saul Laniato and Hank's Eitan Rabanapur. In the second half, an all-out goal fest. The scoring spree would start with just over two minutes left in the middle frame. Hank's Jacob Schwartzman coming around the net with the ball sent the pass through the middle to Josh Blitzstein at the opposite face-off circle, who fired it into the wide-open net for a one nothing lead. 13 seconds later, Schwartzman would do it himself on a curlout from behind the net, and Hank would take that 2 nothing margin into the locker room. In the third, the backbreaker, Blitzstein with the ball at the line, faking a shot to the net that froze the flapper's defender, moved around the statue, all alone on Laniato, and put it behind him for a three-goal cushion. Flapush would get on the board a minute later on a shot by Eddie Sorcher from the point that found its way through traffic and behind Rabanapur into the Hank net, but would not be able to draw any closer. Yoni Hazan would one time a pass from Hootie Silverman for Hank's fourth goal, just after the halfway mark of the period, and Blitzstein would become the hat-trick hero a minute and a half later, as Hank rolled to a 5-2 victory to advance to its first JV semifinal. This sets up the following semifinal matchups. We have number one DRS versus number six Hank, and number two Frisch will now host number five Hafter. So taking a look at the teams in it, we'll obviously get to the uh, a, a semifinal preview when we know that these games are scheduled. They're not scheduled for this week as of yet, but who knows what happens over the next couple of days. It could be this coming weekend, or it could be at some point over the next week. The championship is not until March 13th, so we have about two and a half, three weeks' time for that game to technically be played. But just taking a look at the teams that are in the uh, in the semifinals, you have DRS, Eastern Division champion. You have you have Frisch, Western Division champion. You have Hafter, the second seed, the second uh, place team in the East, and Hank, the third place team in the East. Now, what's interesting about these teams is that. These four teams have pretty much been at the top of our, uh, or at least around the top of our rankings uh, for the last two, two and a half, three months. Uh, TABC switching back and forth with a couple of these teams. And I, I, for good measure, as you can see, it was a very close game between them and Frisch. So you can see how how these teams sort of deserve to be here. But in that effect, you have to notice that we also have a disparity between the teams that are here. 
there are three East teams. As we've said, the East has arguably been the toughest division all year. Now, it's not really fair to the West, which only has one participant remaining, as there was only bound to be one or at most two, because the first, uh, the first, um, participant or the last participant, the third participant was SAR. They faced DRS. That was going to be a, a tough hill for them to climb anyways. But Frisch and TABC faced each other. So you knew that they would be one of those that eliminated coming into the second round. But you also have to notice here the fact that there are no central division teams remaining. And also the fact that the truth is their games weren't really that close. I think this goes back to what we've been saying all year. I know people are going to look at the JEC-SAR game and say, well, look, JEC uh, was able to go into SAR and defeat SAR. But we also have to look at that SAR team. That SAR team was probably closer to JEC's level than than the proponents of the divisional alignment this year might expect you to believe. You know, people would have looked at SAR as as the defending champion and say, hmm, they must be just as powerful this year. So JEC going in there, knocking them off, must give the Central Division a little more credence. I say no, because SAR, as you see, finished up as the eighth seed. And the fact that JEC was able to defeat SAR, the third best team in the West, and the eighth seed overall, I I think at this point it doesn't really mean for much. You'll also have the people that go and look at Flatbush's near loss to Frisch. Um, you know, I mean, it was a loss, but it was an overtime loss, which Frisch needed overtime to beat Flatbush. In that one, it can easily be explained away by the fact that it was in Flatbush's home court, which is a rink which has given opponents a, a tough, tough challenge all year. So the truth is, there, there really haven't been that many, um, you know, that many examples of of how the Central Division really wasn't, you know, how the league, I should say, really wasn't oddly stacked to the point where the Central Division was sort of given a free pass this year, where you had two teams that were just so much better than the rest of the competition in the division, but just really wouldn't have stacked up much elsewhere. You put Flatbush in the East, and you see what happens when they faced, you know, a team that, again, that it was, that had faced Eastern competition all year, Hank, you know, that Hank... If you put him in line, Hank is probably the third best team in that division, and Flatbush was trounced on their own home court by Hank. Then you have JEC, who uh, I guess it's a little unfair to compare them to the East. In the West, they may have finished, uh, I'm not going to say exactly where they were. I, I think that it's it's a fair argument to say whether or not they were better than TABC, or they were behind TABC, but they would have finished probably either second or third in the division. I think that... that taking what Hafter does. Hafter was a very good team this year. And a 3 nothing game in JEC, you know, maybe maybe that accounts for them being the second best in their division in the West, or maybe the third best. But the truth is that the teams in the Central were given a big leg up by having that extra opportunity. Flatbush was able to host a first-round game. And the truth is, a team like Hank, or a team like Hafter, who were easily further ahead should have been you know should have at least had the opportunity to to have hosted a first round game they they were in the toughest division and absolutely earned that right the fact that both of these teams had to go on the road in the first round uh, i mean i guess tabc can make an argument for that too but the fact that that those three teams had to go on the road in the first round uh, i think is a little bit of a of a uh, i guess disrespectful to them for the seasons that they've had and but look jec 
and Flatbush, they couldn't do much about it. They they could only play the schedule put in front of them. So the truth is, I'm not bashing them. It's not. This isn't meant to be a bashing of either of those teams. It's meant to be more of a critique of how the how the league laid out the divisions this year. I know we've been harping on it. I know I've spoken a lot about it since the beginning of the year. But I think that this, the fact that you look at the semifinal matchups and the fact that there are no central teams remaining, I think that that that's and the fact well, and also how they how they fared in those games, not really even being competitive. I think that shows a lot about the disparity between the East and the West on the one hand, which were extremely competitive uh, in terms of the league as a whole. And then you have the Central, which really just was that far behind. Um, No real need to do a rankings right now, considering that not much is really going to change. I mean, we we can get back to it a little later on in the year as we close out with our final rankings, but I don't really think that there's a necessity for it right now. So let's just move on to Varsity Hockey. Varsity Hockey featuring the second play-in-round game with the other, the Flappers Ramaz game, already having been played last week, that where uh, that game where Ramaz defeated Flappers 4-3. In this one, the East 5 uh, Hank team against the West 4 Kushner team, the two teams played earlier this season in Kushner, with the Cobras taking a 6-1 victory. This game would be almost as close as Kushner would easily take it with an 8-2 win this time. Ellie Slonim scoring four goals for the Cobras in the win. Uh, leading scorer, uh, um, seasonal leading scorer, Arthur Greenfield, Sam Roth, John Malik, and... Uh, Freshman Jordan Sherris on the Slotum feed would add the other goals for the winning side to advance to their third straight quarterfinals. Speaking of the quarterfinals, a couple of games to talk about. Well, technically one game to talk about there, really. Um, that happening this past Wednesday with the West 3 Frisch versus East 2 Rombom. Both these teams, another uh, another uh, matchup where they've met earlier in the year. Uh, Cougars taking that one at home with a 6-1 victory. This game would happen to be in Rambam. If that were the only recent history that these two teams had, though, the matchup itself might not have had the same tension. But there's more to the story. As last year, as members of the JV squad, the two junior classes, which is the majority of the chunk of both teams, also met last year in the semifinals in Rambam in what was an intense matchup. Won by Rambam in overtime. Frisch jumped out to an early lead in this one when Yehuda Brin slotted home a pass for the one nothing lead. Rambam showed some life and ended off the period on the Frisch doorstep, but not yet able to break through. In the second, though, they would find Pater scoring twice in a minute and a half span on goals from in front of the net by Daniel Yitzhaki and Harry Tannen to swing the lead back to the home side. Frisch seemed poised to even up the game toward the end of the period when Moshe Septimus was called for a high stick, but off of a mistaken face-off, uh, a mistaken whistle that resulted in a face-off at center court, Avi Orlau wove through three Frisch players, went in all alone on Matty Reinhardt, and shoveled the ball home for a short-handed goal to give Rambam a 3-1 lead going into the break. On the other side of the intermission, though, Rambam could not keep out of the box, taking penalties number three and four in what would amount to be a seven-minute span. Uh, Give a team as good as Frisch that many opportunities, and they will absolutely capitalize, which they did. Seven seconds into the second-man advantage of the third period, Johnny Newman put one home to cut the lead to one. The goal looked to rattle the Ravens a bit, and two minutes later, Frisch would take advantage as Bryn found himself all alone in on the Rambam zone, wove in on net, and put the ball around a sprawled Charlie Altman to tie the game at three. Let's take it back to the JV game last year, where in the close 
closing seconds of the third, Frisch appeared to have scored the game winner only to have the referees not see the ball in the net. Here, with seven seconds to go, a shot on net appeared to trickle in underneath Altman, but the officials had blown the whistle on the play, prompting Frisch fans to wonder whether this would be deja vu for them. Uh, last year, in the overtime, Daniel Itaki scoring three-quarters court game winner. In the overtime session, Rambam would get a flurry of chances, but could not put the ball home. Frisch, however, would only need one. On a transition play back into the Rambam zone, Jordan Sokoloff sent the pass across the three-point line to a racing Bryn, who buried the ball top shelf for the hat-trick OT game winner. Brynn and his junior classmates able to exact a measure of revenge for last year's loss. Uh, but going back to what I said earlier about that junior class, for those who think that this could bring an end to the rivalry between the two, please just take note of this. All seven goals, the four for Frisch and the three for Rambam, were scored by juniors. This could very well be a matchup that we could see at some point in a year from now, once again with playoff implications on the line, which for me is kind of annoying. Um, as for the last three years as as a coach in Flatbush and in Rambam, I've had three of my seasons end at the hand of Frisch and uh, you know, at some point, at some point, it does get to you a bit. This was kind of funny how how it played out. Uh, two years ago, in my first year in Flatbush as a uh, coach of the varsity team, uh, we uh, defeated the Frisch varsity team in the regular season, only to head back to Frisch in the playoffs to lose a one-goal game. Last year, as a coach, uh, while in my stint as the JV Flatbush coach, uh, we went into Frisch in the quarterfinals. Uh, once again, losing a 2-1 game, and this year as a coach for the Rambam Ravens varsity, having to face Frisch again, and uh, sorry, last year was a 2-0, a 2-0 Frisch win, um, and this, this year, having that 4-3 overtime loss, a little bitter, but congratulations to Frisch, they played extremely well, it was an intense game, and a really exciting one, uh, I think both teams put forth an immense amount of effort, and it really made for a great game. Moving over to the week's other quarterfinals coming this week. Uh, we'll have West 5 Ramaz and West 1 TABC coming up this Thursday night. Uh, following up on their playing game win over Flatbush, uh, the Rams will travel to TABC on Thursday night to take on the undefeated TABC Storm. The Storm finished the season 14-0, taking key wins over intra-conference rivals SAR and Frisch, both at home and on the road, and Eastern Conference foes Hafter and DRS. Also in the 14 wins were two key ones against uh, Ramaz. Uh, these two T Teams opened the regular season back in October with a 5-3 TABC win in Ramaz and, again, a 4-0 Storm win in TABC two weeks later. Ramaz is going to need to work extremely hard as the road team, as TABC has made short work of opponents in the Weather Center, uh, winning all of their games and seeding no more than two goals in any matchup, with the closest uh, game being their 3-2 win over second-seeded SAR. TABC's defense has proven to be as impenetrable as their reputation proceeds, and it'll be up to Ramaz's defense, a group that has only held opposing offenses to two goals or less in four games, uh, sorry, once in four games on this side of the new year, uh, that being their 2-1 win over Kushner to close out their regular season. In all facets, the Storm, the number one team in the league, have the advantage. But the same was true in last year's semifinal in TABC, where the Storm were upset by DRS. In the second quarterfinal of the week, West 4 Kushner will take on East 1 Hafter. For the third straight year, the Cobras will be traveling to Long Island for a quarterfinal matchup. 
Last year, Kushner's season came to an end at the hands of those DRS Wildcats uh, before they upset uh, TABC, or the Wild, before the Wildcats upset TABC, in a shelling that was really only kept competitive thanks to the goaltending of Jack Rees. Two years ago, the Cobras saw their season end in disappointing fashion with a 6 nothing shelling to the eventual champion Hafter Hawks. So they now return to the nest to face another equally formidable Hafter team. The Hawks finished the season at 10 one, two, and one, with their only home losses coming in overtime to top team TABC and cross street rival Rambam. The Hawks have the luxury of fielding the most complete squad in the East, comprised of eight recent JV and varsity All Stars. List includes forwards uh, Zach Kramer and Gillard Kirstein, defenseman Sam Schechter, utility man transferred from uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Lichter, and netminder Ryan Gluck. The team has, for the most part, mowed through their competition, but have one very interesting stat to their name. Other than Flatbush, who has been eliminated, the Hawks are the only playoff team to not have a win on this side of New Year's. Now, that may not be fair, given that they've only played one game in that stretch, that being their 2-2 tie to DRS. But to be more accurate, the last win for Hafter came against Flatbush on December 20th. Since then, they have the tie preceded by their two overtime losses. Kushner's going to need to work harder and expect a major performance from freshman Izzy Gulko in net but can keep in this game if they play a disciplined 36 minutes. It's taken the best games from the three teams that have beaten them this season, and it's going to take Kushner's best game to come close. It just may not be enough. The other and last quarterfinal matchup, East 3 DRS against West 2 SAR. As if this game didn't have enough of a backstory, as we mentioned in our JV preview last week, this is the group that two years ago met in almost complete opposite fashion. At that point, DRS was the East second seed, SAR the West three seed, and that game took place in DRS. Two years later, the roles have been completely reversed, with SAR now the favorite after an 11-3 season, while DRS faced an uncharacteristic 8-5-0-1 campaign. Also different from that season are the rosters. In the recent years, the Wildcats have sort of taken it on the chin through the transfers of arguably its best offensive and defensive player from that JV season, but in doing so have seen the emergence of talent in former basketball player and clear vocal leader Eitan Arye, also the goals leader for the team this year, as well as a young but fundamentally sound defensive unit in front of Gabriel Miller to still retain a formidable group. SAR, on the other hand, has benefited from gains that were not present that year. In addition to the solid core already in place in offensive players like former Howe graduate Josh Rosenberg, there's junior Solomon Freilish, a defense led by Azriel Lavi, with formidable netminder Jonah Amron between the pipes. The Sting grew in talent with the addition of several key sophomores from last year's JV championship run that have provided much-needed sparks on the offensive end that this team really lacked two years ago. The Sting have shown themselves capable of making waves after taking two degrading losses early in the season, rebounding to win seven of their last eight, with their only loss being a 3-2 defeat by TABC in TABC. Along the way, though, SAR handed half of their only regulation loss and shut out the Wildcats in DRS 3-0. That loss to SAR dropped DRS to 3-5 after loss to TABC, Hafter, Flatbush, and Rambam, 
and in perilous position. However, since that game, DRS has rebounded to win six in a row, including revenge wins over Rombaum and Flatbush, and took Hafter to 41 minutes in the 2-2 tie after two early goals put the Hawks on their heels. So look for DRS, uh, one of the hottest teams in this, uh, in the in the last end of the season, to really give SAR a little bit of a run, even though the game will be in SAR's rink. DRS being the hottest team really may be that one team that no one else really wanted to face coming into the playoffs. I know the game earlier on in the year, uh, SAR clearly taking that one, but this may be a little bit closer, despite the fact that that the juniors now again going into uh, into the rink in. Uh, in uh, Riverdale now have to relive the memories of last year. SAR may be the better team, but I expect DRS to to give a little run in this one. Again, the same thing as with the uh, with the with the JV. Uh, we'll have the complete semifinal uh, previews for you when that happens. We already know one team that's going to be in the semis, Frisch. When these teams uh, finish their games this week, we'll have semifinal previews for you. Again, this. League also having their championship game in Lawrence Middle School on March 13th, so following the same timeline as the JV. Uh, the rankings also similar. No reason to really go through them now, as really only the upper half has been in competition, and with one game played for each of them, it just doesn't make sense to really go through. We want to take a couple more looks at the teams so we can get a little more accurate final rankings. We'll go over the rankings as we get closer to the championship game. Before we move on, though, just want to give you a little reminder as to how the bracket is going to shake out, because we can at least give you that. We already told you that, again, West number 3, Frisch, defeated East number 2, Rambam. They will face the winner of the West 5 Ramaz West 1 TABC game. Uh, West 5 Ramaz facing TABC because of the bracket that they were in. Having defeated the East 4 team, they essentially take the East 4's place. So the uh, so the West fielding five teams in the second round of the playoffs. But the winner of that game, the only intra-conference game in the playoffs so far, West 5 Ramaz, West 1 TABC. If Ramaz wins, the game will be played at Frisch. If TABC wins, the game will be played in TABC. And the uh, winner of the West 4, West 4 Kushner East 1 Hafter game will face the winner of the East 3 DRS West 2 SAR game. Again, we will update a little more of this for you as these games come to a close this week, and we'll have recaps for you next week right here on the Court Report. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the Week in Yeshiva League playoff action. Let's move over to basketball right now. Starting with JV basketball, some first-round action. We had West number 3, JEC hosting West number 6, Maor. If you've never heard of Maor coming into this season, no one really would have blamed you. The small school of around 50 kids or so in Long Branch, with barely any history of success in Yeshiva Athletics. You know, who would have given them any credence? Unfortunately for the JV Basketball League, that's exactly what the Mavericks were counting on. Over the regular season, Maor battled to a 500 record to earn the sixth spot in JV League West playoff bracket on the last day of the season. Given people's expectations, anything beyond the first uh, playoff playoff berth uh, this season would be gravy because, well, no one expected much entering their first-round matchup with JEC, right? 
The Thunder had posted a 7-3 and record on the season, one of the best marks in the last few years in the JV program, taking out TABC along the way. But one could get a sense, even from their first battle with the Mavs, that this would not be as easy as a 3-6 matchup would seem. In the regular season meeting between the two, JEC came out with a 55-51 victory, but the final result masks the fact that Maor actually held the lead until the last three minutes of the ballgame. The Thunder in that game were able to make a furious fourth-quarter comeback to avoid the upset in Maor. In this one, the first quarter started off with nervous energy, each team trading misses for the first three minutes, and continued to trade baskets to a 10-all tie after one. The second quarter would be a tale of two halves, as the first four minutes would be a mirror image of the first quarter, with very little dents made in the scoreboard. After the four-minute mark, though, the floodgates opened. The home team Thunder started draining from long range to open up a nine-point margin, or would attempt to keep pace after that, but could not get closer than seven to end the half, down third. 31 to 24. In a third, though, it was all Mavericks on the comeback trail, holding the Thunder to five points in the period and taking a 37-36 lead into the final quarter of play. In the opening minutes of the fourth, the Mavs would extend their lead to five. JEC would keep pace, but would be burned by Maor on the line as the Mavericks doubled up the Thunder in the quarter, outscoring them 18-9 for a 55-45 victory, the first for the school in the Yeshiva League. As the West 6 seed, there is no mystery as to who they will face in the next round, though. And that'll be uh, the East number 1 DRS Wildcats. Moving across the river to the uh, East 4 Hank versus West 5 uh, versus East 5 Derek Hatora game. Another game with a close finish in the regular season. Gabe Fellis opened up the game for the Canes, hitting two three-pointers in the first five minutes to help open up a seven-point lead 11-4. Hank would keep a nine-point lead for most of the rest of the first quarter and headed into the second up 15-6. to six. The lead would balloon out to 12 on a Michael Soar three and would hover the margin around 10-11 to 11 points, getting to as high as 13 in the closing seconds of the first half when Adam Matovich of Derekatora took an inbounds with .5 seconds left and drained the jumper to bring the halftime score to 25-14. The third quarter seemed to be a trade-off between Matovich and Soar as each the leading scorers for both teams nailed long-range shots, seesawing the margin back and forth over the double-digit mark. As the clock wound down in the third, Matovich would go on a solo mini-run, scoring six points in a minute and a half to close the gap with the score 34-28. A Zach Maoz 3 would cut the Hank lead 2-3, and the score at the end of 3 stood at 34-31 a Hank. The first three minutes of the fourth went back and forth with Moshe Khalili, Nati Shitrit, Maoz, and Matovich trading shots, and with a score at 40-37, to a David Stern 2 would make it a one-point game, and Daniel Benhamo would hit a crazy up-and-under shot to give YDH its first lead with 3.30 left. Hank would strike back with a Fellas 3, and Hank would go back on top. YDH would battle back, uh, though, and would take a one-point lead with 26 seconds to go. With 4.4 left, a shit-rich shot went off the mark, but Soar would be there for the rebound. He would go up and get fouled, sending him to the line for two. Soar would sink both, and YDH would have one last chance, as the ball was heaved down court to a wide-open Yosef Halevi under the basket, who put up a shot. But out of nowhere, Hank's hero, Michael Soar, swatted the ball away as the buzzer sounded to give Hank the 49-48 victory. 
Moving over to the other East game, East 3 half they're hosting East 6 Flatbush on Wednesday. When a regular season game goes to overtime between two teams, generally you can expect a playoff game to be just as competitive. The Hawks and Falcons JV squad put on a tight battle in November at the very beginning of the season, and so no one was surprised when this game started off as a seesaw battle that witnessed the first quarter and a half, uh, sorry, and the first half ending in virtual deadlocks with the game tied at 9 and 22 respectively. In the third, though, the home team Hawks would mount a run, putting a 12-point gap between the two sides on hot shooting by Shy Laniato and Simon Perlow. Flatbush would battle back with four points from Jack Rosau, his only four in the half after scoring 13 in the first 16 minutes of play, for a team-high 17, and Maurice Mosseri, who would finish with 14. Flatbush was able to cut the lead to five and stick close to the Hawks for much of the final quarter, but costly turnovers would haunt Flatbush down to the wire, as Hafter was able, was able to capitalize, pulling away for the 54-48 win. Hafter was led in victory by Laniato, Perlau, and Ben Kornblum. Laniato with 17, Perlau with 11, Kornblum with 9, and Hafter now has a date with the West's second seed SAR in the quarterfinals. Going back to the quarterfinals bracket, uh, one side of the bracket has West 6 Maor at East number 1 DRS. Along with them will be East 3 Hafter visiting West number 2 SAR. The other side of the bracket will uh, see West number 4 TABC at East number 2 Mag and David. That after TABC's win last week over, uh, over Ramaz. And East number 4 Hank will travel to West number 1 Frisch. So, interesting-looking uh, quarterfinals bracket in JV basketball. We do actually have some dates for you for some of the games. East 4, Hank, and West number 1, Frisch, taking place tonight. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll see East number 3, Hafter, and West number 2, SAR, square off. And tonight also, West number 4, TABC, and East number 2, Mag and David. So, action-packed night, uh, two nights, to tonight and tomorrow night. And uh, next week on the show, we will have recaps of each of these games for you. And uh, preview what the semifinals will look like in JV basketball. But so far, it looks to be a really exciting battle down the stretch. Moving over to varsity basketball, three really, really big games on the week. West number three Hillel and West number six SAR. Interesting regular season as we uh, as we recapped for you a few weeks ago, but the regular season game would not be foreshadowing of the varsity playoff game between these two. Robert Tobias sparked Hillel's offense all night, dropping 32 points for the Heat. SAR would hold one lead all game, that being five to two. The Heat would not cede the lead the rest of the night, despite SAR, the sixth seed, keeping it extremely close. In the fourth, though, SAR's offense sputtered, and the Heat pulled away for the 15-point victory. Uh, the outcome of this game, and the season as a whole for these two teams, really illustrates a point at just how much a difference two years can make. Let's actually take you back to two years ago. You look at the standings the uh, when they were in uh, JV. You, know, uh, you had... He had SAR, the top team in the NYC division. At that point, there were four divisions. There were two divisions in the West Conference. NYC division, you know, you had SAR at 9-1 and one at the top. Heschel, the number one team in the West this year, was at 8-2. and two. Then you look at Hillel, go to the New Jersey division, a division that had Frisch, TABC, and JEC. And there is Hillel sitting at 4-6 and six outside of the playoffs, not even there. You know, SAR went to the semifinals that year. Uh, where they would lose to uh, where they would lose to Flatbush, and Hillel sitting home during the postseason, 
where there were several teams that made the the playoffs that uh, that wouldn't have fa- or didn't really factor much this year. So it just goes to show you how a team can. You know, in, J- in JV, not be fully developed. By the time they hit seniors in varsity, I mean, one can say the same thing about Heschel, a team that was 8-2 and two that year. Now uh, a much better team this year than they were then. But that that these groups, the fact that Hillel can go out there and completely dominate a team that two years ago was a semifinalist, it shows you just how much can happen in a two-year period. And what happens uh, as uh, junior, uh, sorry, as uh, freshmen and sophomores doesn't exactly mirror what will happen when they reach varsity. And as I say, that's why you play the game. So the Heat will now move on to face Flatbush in Flatbush as the, West two, uh, sorry, as the East two-seed. The other West game, West 4JEC against West 5TABC. Uh, during the year, these two teams split games winning on each other, uh, winning on their own home courts. So if the trend were to be followed, the fourth-seeded Thunder theoretically should have the edge in this one, right? Yeah, well, however, the visitors had other plans. Behind Mo Proctor's 13-point night, the Storm upended JEC in a defensive battle, winning 35-23. to 23 points represents a season low for JEC, and obviously it could not have come at a worse time. Appropriately low, this was actually the only the second time this year that JEC was held under 30 points. The other, the 28 points scored in the 44-28 loss to TABC in TABC in the regular season. For TABC, they not only move on to the quarterfinals, but pick up some extra momentum now, riding a four-win-in-six-game stretch. Unfortunately for TABC, their next opponent will be against not only a team that gave them one of those two losses, but a team that hasn't seeded a game all year, the nation's top team, the DRS Wildcats. So not a great week for JEC, their their JV hockey team taking it on the chin uh, as a result of Hafter, their loss to Hafter, the varsity team and the uh, and the JV team both losing to uh, to lesser seeds. So the JEC having three home games in the playoffs, losing all three. Moving on to the East, where East 4 Rambam and East 5 YDE did battle. Well, with Hafter already having taken out Hank, these two teams knew what they were both fighting for. They were both fighting for a date with Heschel. We've noted the season history between Rambam and YDE coming into this point. Uh, the teams, uh, you know, the teams had split their season series, they split they split Saturn, but the game that ensued here, I guess you would say, was an extremely fitting capper on that entire story. The game went back and forth for the first 16 minutes, with YDE taking a slim 26-23 lead into the halftime locker room. In the third, both teams went on runs, with YDE starting an early 8-2 stretch, and Rambam countering with a 9-2 run to end the quarter, down only two at 36-34. In the fourth, though, YDE's leader, Morris Basul, went off. Basul would finish the game with 26 points, 12 of them coming in the final frame, half of YDE's 24 points in that period. Rambam would valiantly try to hang on, but could not match the onslaught from the visitors, and YDE would hold on for a 60-50 win. So this sets up the following for the quarterfinals. It'll be West 5 TABC squaring off with East 1 DRS in DRS. The other part of that bracket will be East 3 Hafter at West number 2 Frisch. So a ton of storylines potentially come out of that. We'll touch on these games uh, next week, I believe, because at least I know at least we know the Hafter Frisch game will take place on March 1st. 
I believe uh, TABC and DRS have not been scheduled yet, but a ton of potential. You could have TABC upsetting DRS, going on to face Hafter, whom they beat, or Frisch, whom they narrowly lost to in Frisch, or you have DRS, who uh, would be undefeated going in against two teams that they that they took out in the regular season this year. On the other side of the bracket, uh, virtual, uh, virtual unknowns uh, against each other, East 5, YDE, and West number 1, Heschel, uh, Heschel on the, uh, also on the unbeaten track, looking to make it against West number three Hillel or East number two Flatbush in the fourth quarter final. So a couple of really good matchups, really interesting diverse matchups in one bracket where a lot of familiarity happening in the other bracket. Um, the TABC DRS game, uh, sorry, I actually do have a date for the TABC DRS. That's actually this coming uh, Wednesday. It's tomorrow night. My apologies. So um, had that on my sheet here. Didn't take a look down. That's what happens with that. Taking a look at the Jewish Hoops America rankings for this past week, uh, the national top 25 as of, uh, they have it as of February 15th, so last week, which we didn't get a chance to, to actually get to, DRS still at the top with uh, with the number one ranking, Heschel at the two, Shalhevet Los Angeles at the three, uh, Jewish Day School of Rockville, Maryland, climbing from seventh all the way to four, uh, Yeshiva High School, formerly Weinbaum, Congratulations to them on their big win this past week, moving up to fifth. The next Yeshiva League team is Hafter, or actually it's a double up, as Hafter and Frisch are tied at ninth. Flatbush is at 13th, uh, SAR at 15, TABC at 16, Hillel at 17, JEC at 18, Hank at 19, and going all the way down the line, YDE. Uh, out on the outside and receiving votes, and Rambam as well. So a couple of uh, interesting teams here. You see that Hafter and Frisch, uh, Hafter and Frisch at DRS and Heschel for the quarterfinals are here. You have SAR, obviously it's before the quarterfinal games, SAR who lost in their first round game as a uh, sixth seed to Hillel was uh, coming into the week, was actually ranked higher than Hill, and TABC, who also won. So, again, a really interesting week, and um, these rankings probably changed, or probably will ch- probably changed as of this past Sunday, but nothing, uh, nothing put on the Jewish Hoops America website. So this is what we got for you coming into tonight. Now let's move over to girls basketball, where at this point, all three leagues are playoff ready. The first two, the girls A and girls JV, have already gotten their quarterfinals underway. Girls B finished off their regular season this past week and are ready for their semis. We'll get to that in a few moments. Going back to girls A, though, West number one, Frisch, and East number four, North Shore squared off. Frisch, the number one team, easily taking care of business, winning 53-21. to Julia Rochelle poured in 23 points, while Tamar Fuhrer dropped 12 in the win. This sets up an instant classic between Frisch and Breweria. As you remember, those are two of the three teams, along with SAR, embroiled in the 10-2 and mix at the end of the regular season in the West. Both teams split their regular season meetings, and Breweria is chomping at the bit to show that the only reason they were a three seed was by uh, the luck of the coin, and not uh, not because they were any worse than Frisch. Uh, they're really looking to uh, to make that game a battle, and so if there is one girls game you go to over the next week, that's the one to be at. 
in the other uh, in, in, in the other side of the bracket, East number one Flatbush, West number four Hillel. Just gonna say from watching this game on the sh on the stream, one of those games that was uh, put online this week, Hillel did not look like a fourth seed in this one, leading for much of the game, even taking a six point lead into the half. Uh, the size advantage of of Hillel really uh, really gave Flatbush fits. The third quarter though saw Flatbush come back to take a three point lead, a lead they would maintain until late in the fourth when under a minute to play Hillel in a frenzy was able to pull even with the Falcons and force overtime. In the extra session, Flatbush was able to hold Hillel without a point and then hit eight foul shots of their own, the only eight points of the quarter, to take the victory 53-45. to The Falcons were led by Sarah Horowitz with 15 and Jen Mallow with 12, while Hillel in the loss was led by Celia Cohen with 14 and Brenda Saka with 12. So this week in the quarterfinals, you have uh, tonight. You have West number two SAR and East number three Ramaz, and they will. And the winner of that game will play Flatbush again. In the other, uh, in the other uh, bracket, you have Frisch and Breweria, and this one you have Flatbush and the winner of tonight's game with Ramaz and SAR. It'll be interesting. Ramaz, the defending champion, and SAR, the other team in that uh, in that ten and two mix. So will the will it be a two two battle where the two East teams move where two East teams move on and face uh, where it'll essentially be an East an East semifinal and a West semifinal? Or will the third West team move on, making it uh, a potential possibility for a West-West championship matchup. We'll find out uh, after tonight, so we'll have that for you on next week's show. Moving over to Girls JV, though. What a final action this week. West number four, Breweria, fresh off of that game, that play-in game win with Kushner last week against East number one, North Shore. North Shore never trailed in this one, as Breweria did put on a good showing, though. Uh, North Shore won 52-32 and will advance to play Flatbush, the East third seed, the winner of last week's game with Mayanote. In the other bracket, East number four, Ramaz, and West number one, Frisch. This game took place, uh, this game took place uh, last night. Uh, Top-seeded Frisch, undefeated, won 45-33 uh, thanks to Sarah Lieberman leading the game with 16 points. Ramaz kept it close after the first half thanks to 13 from Becky Tauber, but could not stick with the one seed, who will now move on to play third-seeded SAR. The Sting pulled off the upset of East number 2 after 27-24. The Seesaw battle finally saw a breaking point with a minute remaining when SAR opened up a five-point margin before holding on for the final. So, right now, this is our semifinal matchup for the Girls JV League. We'll have Flatbush at North Shore in an East-East battle, that happening on March 3rd. And in a West-West final uh, semifinal, you will have SAR at Frisch. Now, let's move over to Girls B, where Girls B has finally finished up their regular season. Obviously, again, after starting uh, a little late uh, in, in order to get teams and scheduling down, this group finally finished up with some games this past week. Four games on the week. First game, Shalhevet topping Shalamis 46-26. This put Shalhevet at 8-3, and three, meaning that Shalhevet and Breweria would meet in the 2-3 game. Remember, four teams make it in this division. Uh, top seed SKA already clinched. Elan, as a result of a big win last week, would happen to clinch the four seed. So we knew that that was going to be the matchup after this. 
this. But the question was, where would the Jalhevet Brewery game take place? That was determined in New Jersey that same night when Brewery fell to Elon. 38 to 34. Big win for Elon heading into the playoffs. Now Bruria fell to 8 and 4, meaning that the best that they could do was land in a tie with Shalhevet, but Shalhevet holding the season series at 2 and 0. So for Elon again, momentum momentum heading into their playoff game with SKA, uh, who is who who finished their season at 11 and 1 after knocking off Shalhevet uh, to end the season again. Also, Mag and David would finish the season with a win, keeping Shalamuth without one at 43-20. to 20. Uh, So looking at that league, this is how the B division finished off. SKA, the top seed, at 11-1. Yet Brewery and Shalhevet finishing in an 8-4 tie. Elan at 7-5. Mag and David 2-10. Shalamuth 0-12. So the two playoff matchups, you'll have SKA and Elan doing battle in SKA, while, while uh, Shalhevet will host Brewery in that other semifinal with the two to meet in the championship game. You know what, to be honest, uh, the I know I've been giving you dates for games. I just realized the list that I'm looking at is sort of from Sunday night. So let's take a look at the website. I'm going to go to the myhsal.com website and just run through the list of games that are remaining in each league that will be this coming week. So taking a look at JV Hockey, the two games, Hank and DRS, that game is taking place next Tuesday, uh, the first in DRS. Hafter and Frisch yet to be determined. Looking at the varsity hockey uh, on the varsity hockey games, uh, two games, uh, sorry, three games on the schedule this week. You'll have West 4, Kushner, and East 1, Hafter. That is tomorrow night. You'll have East 3, DRS, West 2, SAR, and West 5, Ramaz at, at West 1, TABC. Both those games happening on Thursday night. JV basketball, two games going on right now, actually. TABC and Mag and David squaring off in Mag and David, and Hank and Frisch are squaring off in Frisch. I think you, you're actually able to catch that Hank Frisch game on the cube. Uh, tomorrow night, you'll have Hafter at SAR. And then on next Monday, you'll have Maor, the West 6 seed, traveling to East 1, DR, uh, yeah, East 1 DRS. Over in Boys Varsity, tomorrow night, TABC and DRS will do battle. Thursday, we'll see Hillel and Flatbush play, and both YDE Heschel and Hafter Frisch will take place next Tuesday night. I know that that uh, Frisch game will be live-streamed as well on the Cube. So that's actually a more accurate um, playoff schedule. The girls, uh, except for the one game that I mentioned a minute ago, uh, they really haven't been scheduled. Those will probably be scheduled as their games conclude over the next day or so. Um, so that about wraps up this week in uh, in Yeshiva League playoffs. Uh, thanks again for listening in. This coming week going to be an extremely big week where almost every uh, almost every league by this time next week will be down to its semifinal matchup again. The hockey season will conclude on March 13th in Lawrence Middle School, with basketball having an extra week in between there, uh, and they'll play their championship game on the 20th. Let me check. Yep, just like last year, it'll be at Yeshiva University. So we'll give you more information as to how you can attend those games over the next week or two as we lead up to Championship Sundays. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can also catch the Encore presentation every Sunday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. 
Tomorrow morning, JM in the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 AM, live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. Expect them to be very busy, though, around playoff time because this is when they're hard at work making the trophies for your championship teams. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page yet on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get the number up before the season ends. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com